0: to another episode of Under the Influence with me, Jazz Wright and Dilesh Poppet from Turning Point and we're blessed to have Sarah Hancock-Smith and I'll let Sarah tell us what she does here in Leicester.
1: Yeah so I'm, uh, I'm Sarah, I'm the Senior Operations Manager for Turning Point um, so that means that it's my responsibility to um, run the services across Leicester, Leicestershire and Rutland for drug and alcohol use.
2: Again, I, I've been working with Sarah for several years now, um, and it's, it's again always a pleasure to work with you. I know you talk about Leicester, Leicestershire, and Rutland, but there's a huge dynamics to this. It's not just Leicestershire, Leicester, and Rutland. There's also a lot more. There's prison services. There's a hospital liaison team. There's hubs dotted around.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right, Dilesh. I think that sometimes we forget how much we actually deliver within our services. So. In the community we have about two and a half thousand people in treatment with us um, but we also run um, the drug and alcohol treatment services um, in HMP Leicester, so in the prison Um, and we also have a team of staff who are based um, in the hospital Um, so they basically see anyone who's come into hospital um, with a drug or alcohol related admission um, and make sure that those people kind of get help um, we actually also have now got a team in the hospital that are seeing people who um, have gone into hospital uh, following a, a knife-related crime. So we actually are helping support kind of victims of violence as well. So it is really very diverse what we do, and, and we also work with um, children as well as adults. So um, we have under-18s in treatment with us as well as um, as well as adults. I just
2: wanted to. I think it's uh, the, the latest one that I've been hearing about as well. That. The homeless team
1: as well, isn't it, Sarah? Yeah, so one of the new initiatives we've set up, um, I guess within about the last year, is, um, you know, we've always worked um, with homeless um, people across um, Leicester, particularly Leicester City, um, and we felt that we could deliver more by having a specialist sub-team to work with homeless service users. So we've now got four members of staff who all are, uh, it's their role entirely to work with any service users that are homeless. So that might be people who are street homeless but also people who are living in hostels or kind of unstable accommodation and really the approach there is about us being Really flexible and responsive to understand the barriers that people who don't have stable accommodation might have to accessing treatment, um, and then you know be really flexible and responsive to help them engage in the best way they can.
0: So that sounds really demanding. You're, not just your role, but the whole the whole team working under you. So it must get quite pressurised at times
1: surely? Yeah, I mean I'd I, yeah, yeah, i, I I'd be lying if I said it wasn't uh, high pressure at times um, you know, for our staff working within the services, you know, it's a, it's a demanding role, helping people um, uh, but what I would say is it's also really, really rewarding um, you know, helping people to turn their lives around and see change, you know there's nothing more rewarding than that, um, and I always say that you know, the favourite part of my role is working with our peer mentors so that's people who have been through treatment are in recovery and then are helping um, other people and just to see some of those individuals who, you know, maybe a year, you know, ago were really, really struggling with their own substance use, and now they've turned their lives around and are helping others. You know, that that's what motivates me every day to come to work. So.
0: Well, that must be a huge uh, motivation for those individuals as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that
1: peer mentoring is is got like numerous benefits. You know, not it helps us as a service. You know, it's it's a kind of I always say it's a bit of a bridge between us as a service and our service users because you've got people. People with lived experience um, who are able to kind of reach out to service users and, and increase engagement but it also it helps our service users because they will often say well if he or she did it i can do it you know it's like that belief that actually i can i can change but also for the peer mentors themselves you know i hear a lot of them say that actually it helps their own recovery um to be helping others to be kind of giving back and to be feeling that actually they are helping other people to achieve recovery um so it's kind of you know peer mentoring it's something we set up about 10 years ago, but I can't imagine treatment services before we did that, really. You know, it's kind of crazy to think that before peer mentoring and service user involvement, we, we didn't really have that, and, and now it's just a fundamental part of what we do.
0: You know, looking at Leicester, it's a very diverse community, and you, you spoke about engagement. Mm. How important is it with the engagement from the minorities, especially from the BME community, to uh, work with you and just for you to engage with them as well. I mean, I know the Seek Recovery Network, we've been working closely with Turningport now for the best part of two years, and we've referred people that have come to the Seek Recovery Network who need specialist treatment, more expertise, and that really helps us. So how important is that engagement working with community groups as well?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's massively important to us. You know, Leicester's an incredibly diverse um, community, um, and you know, at the moment, um, those in treatment are not representative of the diversity of Leicester. So we know that we need to do more to reach out to diverse communities to overcome any barriers to engagement in services. And I think that's why um, I guess it was probably a couple of years ago that we set up Dilesh's role, which is all about um, community engagement, um, really, and what we wanted to do through that role was not to try and do it all ourselves but for Dilesh to link in with community groups who are actually the key to engaging with communities, you know, so things like the SEEK Recovery Network, um, Spinney Hill Recovery, who we're working with. Um, you know, the community groups have the engagement with the diverse communities. So, by us working together in partnership, we can bring that specialist kind of substance misuse expertise um, to work together to engage people and overcome some of those barriers. So, you know, I, I think that I'm really proud of the work that, that Dilesh has been doing, and, and I, I feel like we've made huge progress. I think we've still got a long way to go. I think that there's other community groups that, that we need to be engaging with more. Um, but it feels like, you know, by working in partnership with, with people like yourselves, Jazz, that actually we've been able to reach a wider group of service users than, than we have done for a long time. So I
2: think that's where, when we, t- we talk about the topic of, of being out there in communities, we, we do need to do more as a whole, um, not just as a service, but as communities themselves. I personally think a lot of, a lot of communities themselves uh, don't want to be involved in, in organizations or, or look at it as a, as a, as a negative. Mm. Um, I've knocked on doors before. I think there's one area in Leicester where I, I went in to say, this is my role. This is what I'd like to do. I'd like to do some work together. And they basically said, oh, we have a lot of people drinking at the back and they leave cans and stuff on the floor. Can you pick them up for us? Mm. And I think that's another part of it as well that we have to have communities that want to engage mm. um, in support we offering as well. Yeah, but, absolutely. But I think,
0: do I think you find though, Sarah and you, did, I should do that, you know, the recovery group, um, know, people like Turning Point, in the, the work you do and the partnership, it, it's not a sexy um, sort of. Um, place to work in is it mm. and, and like for you instance, knocking on someone's door saying do you need help oh, well yeah you can clean the mess up at the back yeah but you know and I know within in, in the Sikh community a lot now the two t- t- delivering the the free food we call it the lunger they seem to be delivering that to the homeless people mm. so that that's kind of more more accepted in our community but to go out and work with the alcoholics and the drug yeah. addicts isn't isn't as um, acceptable if you like or yeah. isn't as um, um, I don't know the right word to use but it, I don't know, it, it, in the recovery um, community, to go out there and out, to reach out to alcoholics and drug addicts isn't going to be perceived to be so great, mm. whereas you're delivering free food to homeless people or packages to the
1: homeless yeah it's kind of seen as more kind of acceptable, acceptable to do yeah. that i mean i guess that there's also um there can be a lot of stigma around yeah, um, accessing for, sti- yeah. treatment services and and sometimes that can be a barrier in some communities oh. can't it that that actually there's there's stigma there's shame involved in saying yeah that actually i've got an alcohol problem or yeah. i've got a drug problem um and some people don't want their communities to know about that um and i think that that's why we want to work together with community groups because I think it's important that we do that together with community groups that but that are also people if they want to access support and they don't want anything to do with their community knowing that actually they can do that
0: confidentially and that's, that, that, and that's very interesting um, and yeah. we find despite but knowing that there is a need in our community but some people don't want to come to the temple for these mm. meetings. Mm. They don't want to go to the mosques for these meetings mm. and they don't want to go to the Hindu temple for, for these meetings do they? Mm. And so you know if anyone does want to access if they've gotten issues with alcohol or drugs how, how do they access some of the services that you, you operate here in Leicester?
1: So um, so right now because of the COVID pandemic our services are being delivered in a very different way, so most of our services are telephone based at the moment um, with some online um, groups also running, um, but it's really simple, um, if anyone sort of identifies that, that they have an issue, they can go on to the Turning Point um, website um, they can make a self-referral for themselves, and they just need to Google Turning Point Leicestershire, um, or they can telephone us, um, we'll take a referral over the phone, um, and we can work with with that individual in whatever way um, they're comfortable with. So, you know, if confidentiality is a real concern to people, actually the way that we're delivering our services at the moment is highly confidential, Mm. you know, it's a telephone base, people don't even have to leave their own homes um, to receive their treatment. So, actually, I, I hope that perhaps some of the ways that we're doing treatment now might meet the needs of of some more diverse communities more Um, but I think it's always about about choice um, and you know not making any assumptions about what people do or or don't want you know for some people um, actually engaging in a group that's kind of linked to their religion um, would be really good for them Um, whereas for some people they would feel um, really ashamed and not want their community leaders to, to to know and therefore they would want to actually Access, treatment um, completely away from that and I think that that's why it's important for us to have an understanding of that so that we've got both options available to people.
2: I also think that one thing that we, we do need to touch on is because I get this all the time and I'm out about. do you speak Punjabi, do you speak Gujarati, do you speak uh, Swahili, do you speak thousands of different languages Unfortunately, fortunately again I said earlier I, I speak two languages um, not very well <laughs> um, but I know with Turning Point we, we do offer this service Two. languages don't we? Yeah
1: we do yeah I mean so we're fortunate to have um, a diverse staff group um, who have a lot of language skills um, within our staffing um, group. so sometimes our recovery workers will be able to deliver treatment in different languages but we also will use interpreting services Um, we use we tend to use a telephone interpreting service um, which works well for people so that we can actually engage with people in in any language Um, you know we would never be able to meet all of the language which needs across the um the whole county but um that's never a barrier to us for delivering treatment
2: so if i was to speak with Drati and um i wanted some support would i have to book a different time slot or book in advance would it would it be any different to me it would to somebody
1: else? No, I mean, what what would, what would you'd need to do would be just to flag up on the referral that, um, you know, the, the, um, that you prefer to have treatment um, in Gujarati, and then we would make sure that we made arrangements um, for that assessment to either have an interpreter or to have a member of staff who could speak Gujarati. Um, so we never want it to, to be a barrier to people's treatment. And
2: again, I can, I can sort of even voucher. I've been there before where I've had to take assessments and see clients in um, speaking different languages is it's actually another part of the service that we we tend to forget quite yeah easily that we have yeah. a service that we can do in so many different languages yeah. and often so many
1: different yeah. people. And I think we're really lucky to have such a diverse staff team actually I think that our staff team is really kind of representative of the communities of Leicester I think you know and, and you know whilst we never make assumptions that our staff are going to use their language skills and we you know it, it's obviously um, something that we've always got interpreting for actually um, many of our staff are really happy to to use their language skills to help us to engage.
0: So you, you spoke about the pandemic Covid mm. um, how has that impacted on your services have you noticed an increase in uh, people accessing
1: yeah, I mean, what it's quite interesting kind of looking at the trends across the, the pandemic. So in the early stages of lockdown, what we saw was we saw a rise in drug users accessing the services, so particularly opiate users. I think that there was a concern that there was going to be an interruption to drug supply. So, And that there was a lot of homeless people who were getting temporary accommodation. So we saw a rise in opiate users and a big drop in alcohol users coming forward because of lockdown. What we've seen is that as lockdown been lifted the referrals for alcohol treatment have rocketed um, as would be expected and and, um, I was speaking yesterday on on the radio and on East Midlands today about the rise in um, numbers of people accessing alcohol services and that's for a number of reasons. One is more people coming forward for help um, so being referred because actually perhaps they've been struggling with um, their alcohol use during the pandemic, you know, whether that's because they've lost their job or it's put in a Isolating and stressful time, but also what we've seen is that some of the people who have been engaged in treatment with us have found it more difficult to make changes during this period of time because life is not normal. Um, so, so for those two reasons, we're now working with about 10% more um, alcohol users than than we were at the beginning of the pandemic, um, which is a you know that, that that's a really good thing from my perspective because we're reaching more people. Um, but I I think that we're only scratching the surface when we're talking about alcohol use you know there's so many more individuals who are using alcohol problematically who don't come forward to treatment and that's who we really want to to try to engage with and that's why it's so important that that we do things like our outreach work to to diverse communities
2: One one thing I noticed as well even driving around in um, in the community I live not too far from Belgrave and during the pandemic I was driving home and driving through Belgrave and just thinking street drinkers, street drinkers, street drinking, more people drinking, more people at shops. I noticed that in the, um, the, the BME community as well, that that was a big increase. Again, I'm not sure if you noticed if we've had any more referrals over the last.
1: Yeah I mean I think that that would be something that would be very interesting to look at actually from our data at the moment I've just kind of looked at it at a service level but um, it would be interesting to look at are there any trends around ethnicity, gender, age in terms of the increasing numbers coming forward but I know that that was flagged up to us wasn't it around actually increasing um, street drinking around around the Belgrave area and therefore we've been looking at doing some, some outreach work to try to engage with people but I think that's kind of an example of people's routines having been disrupted and changed and and for some people you know kind of early lockdown you know it almost felt like a bit of a holiday it's like actually things were were really different and some people therefore start drinking more um but then for some people that becomes a daily habit yeah, yeah. and then actually they might have lost their jobs or they might have been furloughed and then you know every day at six o'clock they're opening a bottle of wine or five o'clock they're cracking open a few beers and then it becomes something that happens over and over again and I, th-
0: I think uh, in, when lockdown happened early on in March, the weather was really good as well. Beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So people were drinking more anyway. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean we've been fortunate with the weather throughout lockdown, yeah. haven't yeah. we? You know, from a kind of like uh, well-being perspective. Yeah. But from a but with that comes people drinking outside.
0: And, and yeah, I noticed early on in the lockdown, barbecues seemed to be happening a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier than what they usually would, so the people, like you say, you touch you know, habits, yeah. So those habits just kind of crept, yeah. People were off work for a lot longer, yeah and the drinking patterns
1: changed. Yeah, it, it, it's drinking patterns changing as well, isn't it? Because yeah. I, I guess that um, that a lot of people um, will drink when they socialise with others in groups. And I know things like weddings yeah. and parties and, and things like that will be a, a kind of key place where people might drink heavily. And obviously, a lot of those events have not happened or have been right. much smaller. But I think that what that's led to is people drinking more in their homes Definitely. when they've been isolated. And that's, I think, when it can become something Something that becomes really problematic for people because it then becomes the norm yeah. that actually they're drinking every day and that's just normal for them rather than it just being about, well, I drink when I'm out socialising. Yeah. Um,
2: and that's where, like, for working for and working alongside it, has been where I'm just like, this is perfect for me to go out there and work with these people. I want to be out there on yeah. the streets. And the pandemic is obviously not allowed us to run yeah. um, full, full speed ahead, but it's always good to have the support from yourself, whereas we send a few emails and we're like, yep, yeah, we get planning. Yeah, Let's see what we can do. Let's yeah. go walk in the streets and let's yeah. go do some outreach. Yeah, And and that's, that's the joys of working for an organisation that notices that there, there is need for more yeah there's not many places that always say we want more clients we want yeah less. yeah most people
1: want less I know I know and it's kind of a a vicious circle really I mean like you know obviously I'm concerned about our staff and their workloads but I want to reach as many people as possible with our services and so you know I'm constantly thinking about ways to improve our services to make them as efficient as possible so that we can reach a wider pool of people um, and I think that actually the pandemic has given us some opportunities to change some of the ways that we work so we're doing some more things via telephone and and stuff which actually then enables us to reach a, a wider pool of people um but you know it's great to have a staff team that really want to engage with people mm. and want to do that and and that's what we're always you know wanting to enable that as much as possible but whilst obviously protecting our staff safety at the same time so
0: sarah you know eventually things are going to get back to normal please soon yes I mean, how do you envisage things to be then? Obviously, I mean, you talk about drinking patterns change, people's use of drugs, you know. How, how do you feel that you're gonna be able to cope? Because I, I can imagine the demand's gonna be people mm, accessing yes. these services. And you want to. and I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. We want people to come forward and seek help.
1: Yeah. I think that um, I do envisage a rise in numbers accessing our services particularly for alcohol Mm. over the coming kind of six to 12 months Um, that's a good thing from from my perspective but we are going to have to think about doing things differently Um, I mean I think that there's been some really good things in terms of the way that we've worked during this pandemic and I think a blended approach to treatment where some of our interventions are face to face and some of our interventions are via telephone or online will be the way for the future because actually what we found is that a lot of people have preferred telephone based interventions because it's been more convenient to them Mm -hmm. Um, you know they've been able to access it from their home and actually our staff have said that they've had some better quality interventions Mm -hmm. with people because often when people are coming to our services they're always in a rush to be somewhere else Um, so when they're on the phone actually they're where they want to be they're at home and what we've also found that our engagement rates in treatment have been better so less people have been dropping out of treatment because they're answering the phone but they might not have turned up for their appointment (laughs) Um, and we're also seeing more people who get referred actually starting treatment because they haven't got that kind of fear of walking through the door on the, the first day which we know puts people off because actually it's all telephone based so so actually we'll we'll bring a lot of that to to the future ways that we work um, and we'll just continue to you know work collaboratively with the community you know with peer mentors um, to make sure that we can reach as many people as possible but
0: Sammy you know something you've just talked about. You know, there's a lot of positives there, mm. and I think one of the things that I like to focus on is the positives. Yeah. And I know even in, in lockdown, we've had some great stories where people have, they've never been around their family so much, mm. so that, that's helped them. Yeah. They've done things with the kids that they never would have done, who yeah. normally just go out to work, come in, and straight on drinking. Yeah. But you talked about the blended approach of interventions. I mean, so there is a lot of positives, isn't there? And, and the definitely. way you work in the future is going to change and it's going to benefit people. Yeah,
1: definitely. And I think that, <clears throat> that, you know, what's been interesting about the period of lockdown is that, yeah, for some people it's been very difficult and some people have been drinking more and, and things. But there's also been people who have really taken the opportunity Mm -hmm. to turn their lives around. And there's been some service users who have had really challenging lives beforehand, who have actually, you know, perhaps they were homeless. You know, we've had um, women who have been involved in sex work previously, where actually they have taken the opportunity of the pandemic, they've been given an opportunity to get temporary accommodation, and actually they've used it to turn their lives around. And and there's lots of examples of that as well. So, you know, it's, it's not all a kind of doom and gloom. You know, everything's been a a terrible situation with the pandemic, and I think that the way we always try and approach things is trying to look for the positives and the solutions because you know that's how we're going to be able to best help people. So, I
2: think that's again from working face to face with clients at the start of the pandemic, it was like these a lot of service users are coming in. Well, I've not got the the stress from work, yeah, I've not got the stress from. This crazy life that I've been mm. living, and now I'm being able to spend it with my, my kids, my wife, my family. And yeah. I've been able to make them changes. And I think at the start I was, I was closing service users very a lot easier than I thought. Yeah, um, like successfully, successfully completing. Yeah, completing, yeah. Because yeah. service users are coming in and saying, "Well, I've not got the stress of day-to-day life," and that's helped a lot as well for, for during this pandemic. And um, the good part about it, I, I've not I spoke to them as well, and um, since a lot of people have been going back to work, and I'm still getting positive feedback. That this part of the pandemic has helped them, and they've gone back to work and they're taking less stress on. They've got they've been mm. able to live their life. Yeah, better.
0: yeah. I, I found that as well. I mean, I know everyone wants to hear some doom and gloom stories, mm. but there is so many positives yeah. that have come out of this pandemic. I genuinely believe, in the, some of the the stories that we're hearing, you know, people spending time at home doing things that have, I mean, for me, for instance. I've never picked a paintbrush up in 30 years <laughs> <So> <laughs> I did some painting yeah so these things that you know people would never have done have done that and it's helped them whether it's you know with their alcohol addiction or drug addiction yeah. so there's a lot of, of good come out of this but so you know you, you touched upon working with communities as well how, how important is that as well moving forward w- with you and. Uh, not, not just your role but with the people that you're working with as yeah, well as people I, I
1: think that that we need to do more of it because actually if we want to extend our reach then working with community-based organizations is a really good way to do that um, and i think that all services nowadays are operating on reduced funding mm-hmm. and only by us all working together can we actually make a difference for our services and our potential service users so you know I, I see it as more important than ever um, you know I think that we've as I said I think we've done a lot of really great work um, with Dilesh's role um, although Dilesh is only one person um, and there's probably a need for a number of, of roles like that um, you know but but actually what, what Dilesh is kind of showing us is that by working in collaboration and together together with community groups we can achieve more so i think it's it's definitely something i want to expand in the future i think
0: i think the work that we've done together it just proves i mean Dilesh saw our um, poster uh, the recovery uh, group we had at the um, the temple on uh, on east park road but he picked up the phone Mm. Um, you know and that was all, that's all because you yeah because you took the initiative you picked up the phone yeah. and it brought us together and we're exactly because what
1: what Dilish could have done in his role is just gone off solo and tried to do it on his own you know which is i think the mistake that, that maybe treatment services have made in the past of Absolutely. going you know we're going to do more work with bme communities we're going to go and do our own outreach whereas actually that's not the way to do it it's and to just, do it in, and, and in together and that's the
0: point that is it that, that's happened in uh, birmingham with mm. the project mm. it, it worked for 3 years they had funding for 3 years they Tried to do it alone, yeah, and it failed, yeah, because it didn't work. And I think some of the work you're doing, you touched upon the Spinny Hill project, yeah. the work you're doing with us, we can sustain this because mm. we're working together on yeah. it, and we can use your expertise, we can use yours expertise, mm. Sarah, and we can provide ours, yeah, having Definitely. living in that community Definitely. rather That's, than working against each other, yeah, think, exactly.
2: And I think I spoke, spoke about it again last week is that when I first seen your thing on your group on Facebook. And you laugh and I can say, see you sitting here laughing at me because the first thing I was saying, yeah. How was how are they doing that? Who are they, Why are they doing this? Yeah. And I was just up oh, at first I was just like
0: So angry. Angry about this
2: because we were unaware and we are the yeah. drug treatment service in Leicester, but rather than taking the anger and being frustrated and just watching it from afar, it was like let me approach this person, mm-hmm. let me see what he's doing, if I can help, if we can help each other, if we can work together and Two years later, yeah. here we are Yeah,
1: and it's great, you know, that you've allowed us to kind of work together with you because, you know, I guess that, that some um, some communities or, or some individuals might say, well, actually, no, we don't need you as the kind of treatment service. And I, I think it's really, you know, we're really thankful that you've allowed yeah, us to I, work together I, with you.
0: Like I say, it's, it's a partnership, even the, the, the Gordwara on East Park Road, they've been fantastic. Mm. You know, they couldn't do enough for us. We were, we, were, we did a... Um, an awareness weekend there, yeah, and, and and help start the meetings. And so I think the engagement with the these people in the community, the senior uh, members of the community, yeah. is important, and they're engaging. Yeah, and wherever we've been, Birmingham South, or where there's a big Sikh community, yeah. they have engaged, and I think that's important. Having those the Sikh leaders or the community definitely. leaders on board, as yeah,
1: well. definitely, because then it's kind of actually it is acceptable. You yeah, know, absolutely. it's okay to ask for help, yeah. and we all know it's a problem in yeah. our community, not yeah. just in the Punjabi Sikh yeah. community,
0: but but you know, it's a problem in every community. Yeah. yeah. But for those community leaders to, to accept that yeah. and say, yes, we're willing to work together... Yeah. Is that's big,
1: what's going to really make a difference, isn't yeah. it? It's yeah. Yeah. that
2: knock-on effect, because I could have gone into the Guru and knocked on the door, and they probably would have said to me, there's some cans at the back you need to pick up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Whereas actually doing it together... But with the relationship yeah. you already have, and knowing that community, you can walk in there and say, well, let's do this together, and that's what, what it's allowed us to do. It's mm. allowed us to do this together rather than just me trying to walk in there on my own or you on your own so not only that doing this together is allowed like a better service and mm. um, for the people that you see because you've referred several people to me and um, without that i wouldn't have been able to be in a position where Sarah's praising me for, for the work i've done that's been the work
0: you've also done as well i, I think i'm I, over and above me or you i think it's fantastic because it's allowed people the opportunity to get into to recovery. get
1: in and to, it, to yeah. make changes yeah
0: and and for them to maybe pass on that as well so yeah. i think that's that's what you know when i put my head on that pillow at night that that's the most rewarding thing yeah. for me
1: yeah.
0: you know for me it's the for the opportunity because it reminds me where i was 11 years ago
1: yeah you yeah.
0: know in that dark place so uh, for me, that, that's the biggest mm. the biggest mm. gift of recovery for me.
1: Yeah. Is. And I think that the more people that we can get engaged into treatment from the Sikh community, the more we will get engaged into treatment, isn't it? And we'll, mm. we'll probably be looking at another worker to, yeah. you know, because that's, that's what, what I'd love, love to see. You yeah. know, yeah. I'd love yeah. it. I'd yeah. know, I think that it'd be brilliant. From yeah. today is that
2: we've had Manny who's been here today with us and he's been through. Um, his treatment and we're looking at to get him on the peer mentor course yeah. mm. so it's that, that knock-on effect we talk so highly of peer mentors but now it's having these peer mentors being able to support the community and being yeah. able to offer something different as yeah.
1: well yeah and having that expertise in the community as well as the expertise in substance misuse which i think that's where it kind of goes hand in hand isn't it and yeah. I, you know i think it's really exciting the opportunities for us to really make a difference for people out in the
0: communities Sarah, you know this week is Alcohol Awareness Week. Yep. Um, how important is that for for your services in in Leicester to focus on Alcohol Awareness Week? Because we all know, you know, in every community it's a problem. But you know, to raise awareness through these channels as well, it's yeah. Important. I think
1: that the, the um that weeks like Alcohol Awareness Week just really give us an opportunity to um, just remind people of the services that are there to support um, people, to get people perhaps having a think about their alcohol. Use, um, you know, thinking about whether actually it's gone up a bit recently, whether it's starting to have a negative impact on any aspect of their life, whether it's their health, their work, their relationships, um, and to um, to remind people that actually it's okay to ask for help, and that you know services are there for people, they're friendly and non-judgmental, and it's very easy to um, to get into those services. They're they're free services. There's no waiting list for these services. Um, And it's as simple as going online and making a referral or making a quick telephone call. And that can be the catalyst for people to make changes. Um, And what I always think is really good as well about um, weeks like Alcohol Awareness Week is it helps us to reach people earlier. You know, we, of course, we're there for people when they hit rock bottom and, you know, perhaps some people have lost their jobs or lost Mm. their homes. But actually, I really want to reach those people who have just started to drink a bit too much and, you know, they're perhaps starting to drink a bottle of wine a night or, you know, they're drinking a few beers every day and actually they're starting to find it difficult not to do that, that's where I really want to kind of reach out because if we can make changes for people at that stage we can help prevent it from getting to the point where it negatively impacts upon their life and their health Um, so, yeah, so we, we work with anyone regardless of their level of substance use, it doesn't have to get really, really bad for people
0: to come forward But I think, um, especially because of this pandemic now, probably more poignant and more people might reach out and be aware that alcohol and awareness, because of that, as we touched upon earlier, habits have changed Mm. and their drinking consumption has gone... Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's a good it's a good opportunity to just get people to reflect. You know, yeah. um, maybe people will do like a little alcohol quiz <laughs> online or something like that during Alcohol Awareness Week, or they'll pick up a leaflet, or they'll listen to this this podcast and and start to think, well, actually, maybe that sounds a little bit like me, and mm-hmm. um, actually, it it sounds like. It would be okay to get treatment in the same way that if someone had a, a physical health problem, they'd go to their doctors and, and get some treatment. Actually, a, an alcohol issue is, is no different. Mm. You know, actually, people need to come forward and, and ask for help, um, and you know, the help is there for them.
0: Did I sorry, just touch on For me, when you were just talking, then, some of the things that people can find through these services is free confidential, mm. and non-judgmental. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, those are three things that people do find that kind of bothers them sometimes, mm. or, or, or what they worry about.
1: Yeah, often people say, how much did your service cost? And it's yeah. like, it's free. Yeah. You know, it doesn't cost anything.
2: Right. And, and this is where you notice know, as well, because, I've spoken to several people, family members um, from the BME community as well, that have spent thousands and thousands sending their family members to rehab and/or detox in India or in Punjab, somewhere all around the world, without realising there's this free service at their mm-hmm. doorstep. Yep. Um, and as well as everything else Sarah has mentioned that to turn point of, there is also the opportunity of doing the rehab and detox through these services as well without having to spend thousands and thousands to send them across the world.
0: Yeah. And that, that, sorry, and that for me is a really frustrating part of what we do, is families just aren't aware that mm. turning points here in Leicester, they, you know, and because they don't even, some of them don't even go to the GP. Yeah. The first thing that comes to the mind, let's send them to India. Yeah. And get them into a rehab. Spend thousands, and the first thing some of those guys do, or women do, when they get back here is. Let's go back on the drink, Have a drink. the
1: drink. because actually it's about what's the long-term support going to yeah. be. You know, it's not just a case of do a detox and stop drinking. It's actually what's going to help somebody to not drink longer term. And if the problems and the issues that were leading to the drinking aren't fixed, then actually just taking the drink away doesn't solve the problem, enough. does it? Yeah. Look,
0: I mean, and it's even in this, you know, in some of the re- rehabs here, we find one of the, some of them you don't even make it home. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and what you get from people like the services you provide is is the aftercare. Yeah, and that, that that is important for people the aftercare.
1: I mean when you when you spoke about um, sort of friends and family then it kind of just reminded me that um, it's a service that, that we offer that a lot of people don't realise is that actually we have a worker whose role is entirely to work with the families of our service users and actually it's perhaps something for me and Dilesh to talk more about is actually how do we um, reach out to communities around that role as well because um, you know we have around about 100 family members who are engaging in support in their own right because actually it is very difficult to be the family member of someone with a drug or alcohol problem and actually you know supporting family members to realize that actually locking someone in a room and um, not letting them drink is not very safe Um, you know or you know sending them to a private rehab is not necessary Um, you know that's the kind of thing that we can support family members with so I think that's perhaps something for me and Dillash to talk about is actually how we make that kind of um, work in terms of community engagement Um, because I would expect that our um, current family members that are engaging in treatment are not reflective of diverse, diverse communities, and, and that's something for us to think about.
2: You can also bring Jazz into this meeting as well. Yeah.
1: I know a lot of the work you do is yeah, you support, family members yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. That would be really great for us to talk further about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you for your time. And, oh, thank uh, you. And just one final question to you. It has been, you've been working remotely, uh, I guess. So, what have you been under the influence of? What have
1: I been under the influence of? Tea <laughs> and chocolate.
0: <laughs> uh, right, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>